Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're wondering, there is still no fixed date to when the uh, popular attraction will reopen, although the park board says that they are working towards the upcoming Halloween and uh, Christmas season. Now, the train's been shut down since last fall due, with the, due to what the park board at that time was saying. Mechanical issues were um, uh, affecting the antique engines and, of course, the passenger cars. Now, that forced the uh, cancellation of the Stanley Park Ghost Train uh, during the annual Stanley Park Bright Nights, as you're all aware, uh, which, of course, led a 50% drop in donations to the Firefighters Burn Fund uh, fundraiser. So it's been an ongoing issue that has angered taxpayers who just want the train running, especially around Halloween, uh, Easter, uh, Christmas time. Um, so what's the reason behind this extended shutdown? Well, Global BC reporter and anchor Jordan Armstrong has been on this story for many months, and he's uncovered some documents that gives us a, a better idea behind the prolonged shutdown. Uh, Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Jess. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Walk me through sort of what you've been going through, what you've been seeing. Yeah, so we filed a Freedom of Information request back in January to try and get some answers on how this all started. And, you know, we suspected it was uh, a march uh, towards decay over a number of years. And now, after a six-month wait, we've we've gotten our FOI request back. It's 300-plus pages. And it, it does offer some evidence on how this beloved miniature railroad began to rot. And the basics of it are for more than 30 years, The Park Board had an outside contractor to maintain the engines, as well as a a dedicated staffer to look after the carriages. But in 2012, after 30 years or so of service, that person retired. And at that point, responsibility shifted to the city's fleet and manufacturing services. Now, that's a huge department overseeing thousands of vehicles, you know, city dump trucks, fire trucks, you name it. So they're very, very busy. But from the start, when that department took on this task of maintaining the mini engines, they noted challenges. Uh, For example, they said that the trains came with no documentation of any kind. So uh, folks who'd never worked on these were then having to figure them out on the fly. Uh, Staffing and money were problems uh, from the get-go. Um, The superintendent of the department writes in a memo that we've obtained that there was little to no budget from the park board, something that was flagged as a concern. He says, quote, we have discussed on a few occasions late 2018, early 2019 with the park board for future budgeting to no avail. We repaired units as required when required. So in the paper trail, Mm -hmm. the evidence is there that the trains were not getting the needed daily attention that they once had needed to have. They got checked up when things broke down or ahead of the major signature events, namely Bright Nights, the ghost train. And over time, that um, lack of daily TLC just added up to the point where, as you said, last fall, 
the train had reached such a level of decay that it was declared unsafe and shut down immediately by Technical Safety BC, and it remains shut down today, Jazz. So in your mind, I mean, this would be a tough question to answer, but in your mind, was it just a case of one entity, Park Board, not communicating with another entity, which is a bureaucracy within City Hall, or was there at its core a political decision uh, quietly being made that, look, this needs to go away, and you can do so by perhaps not focusing on upkeep, not focusing on, as you say, a little TLC, uh, that over time uh, this would just get too expensive to take care of and we can shut it down. I think that's a question we will have to ask the former commissioners and former leadership of the Park Board. As you know, there was an election a year ago, so it's a, a new slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie Rosa, the GM of the Park Board, uh, when much of this was happening in recent years, has now departed. So uh, the positions have changed. And what seemed to be fueling that um, lack of will towards maintaining this train is a very good question and one we don't have certainty on. Um, I did talk to Steve Jackson today. He is the acting GM of the Park Board. And his explanation for it was essentially, look, this is it's a big organization, you know, when, when the fire trucks need the work, when the, the you know, important um, sanitation vehicles need the work, obviously they'll be prioritized. But somewhere down the line, this beloved attraction just didn't get the attention it needed. And as I say, there is some evidence there that folks in the city works yard were sounding the alarm about this, were well aware that the, uh, the attraction wasn't getting what it needed in order to, um, you know, run for any great length of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking about it, and this is not something you can answer, but we're not exactly talking about a bus stop here. We're talking about a miniature train that is very popular in the Halloween season, is Christmas season, and many other times of the year. Families spend a lot of time there, and, and the very fact that you don't have the train, and as I was saying in, in the introduction, uh, during the Stanley Park Bright Nights, it resu- resulted in a 50% drop in donations to the Firefighters Burn Fund during Christmas time. So it is a part of the cultural fabric of the city, particularly for families, particularly those with young kids. So to argue that it, it's it's one of those small little cogs in the corner that perhaps a bureaucrat's forgotten about, I, I think is absolutely ridiculous on the part of the park board. And think you know, at the end of the day, if the park board's running it, it's got a. It's the onus is on them to say, "Hey, we need proper upkeep here. Uh, let's work out a schedule so this is taken care of, so we can be up and running during those main times of the year where families expect to bring their young kids to Stanley Park." So you know, it doesn't fly. Uh, I don't think for the average person to listen to this and go, "Well, you know, uh, we didn't hear the left that left hand wasn't talking to the right hand," which is kind of right. kind of absurd. Now, um, as I was mentioning, there was a fifty percent drop to the firefighter burn fund. Speaking speaking, which speaks to uh, how popular this miniature train is with people. It, was there any sense from you in, in, in the digging that you were doing, like whether or not, you know, what kind of revenue this, this train generates? That's a great question, Jazz. And we actually did get, I believe for the first time, some insight on that today. In terms of revenue, in the documents, it suggested that in a good year, so in years when they've had the full fleet of trains up and running, weather's been good, haven't been any mechanical breakdowns, that sort of thing, the train's been able to bring in close to $2 million in revenue. 1.9 was the figure in the, the documents we saw. Um, 
but translate that to profit. We asked Steve Jackson about that today. It would bring in about a half million dollars in profit. So it's an important, uh, not only a beloved public asset, but it's important for the park board to keep, uh, you know, lifeguards uh, trained and, and other assets that people enjoy. It brings in a lot of money. It's one of the rarest things uh, within Park Board. As you said, it brings in money. I mean, there, there is a desire now with this new council and Park Board that they want to start generating revenue with some of the entities that they have. So this train, uh, based on the documents you received, you're saying $1.9 million, the $500,000 net profit. I mean, it's, yep. it pays for itself. So once again, I go back to my original question. If you're the Park Board, reliant on, of course, uh, a significant amount of funding from City Hall, and you do generate some revenue, but you have something that generates a profit and is popular, and then to somehow say that, hey, we just didn't communicate with City Hall or the uh, the, the uh, agencies within City Hall to um, set up a proper maintenance schedule, uh, I find that absolutely absurd. There's just no way a taxpayer is going to buy that. So so moving forward well, here, your yeah. thoughts. Like we're, we're, So we're, the City Hall says, or Park Board says, they, they're moving towards Halloween and Christmas to have it open again. Um, you know, I, I know you can't answer this, but... The talk has always been there about decolonization. I know you can't answer it, but like I, I'm just flabbergasted that a program that makes money, generates revenue, makes a net profit, and somehow it just falls by the wayside tells me there was something else, there's a different agenda there rather than just, hey, we forgot. Well, you know, looking through the documents, decolonization and future plans for the park are mentioned as possible. Um, roadblocks to investing in the future. I, I, I stress, though, possible. It's, it's not like that. there's any evidence that that has um, been a factor in any final decisions here. So it, it is always front of mind for the Park Board of future views for Stanley Park and in consultation with the host First Nations. We asked Steve Jackson about that today, and, and he actually said that as a point of pride. Look, for an organization um, to take this into account, reconciliation into account in every sort of decision we make. He, he's proud of that, and he thinks it's uh, something his board uh, should be doing. Um, but, yeah, Jazz, looking forward, I mean, they say it's going to cost $300,000 or so just to get one engine and set of carriages up and running. They're hoping they can do that in time for the ghost train, but more realistically, uh, they're going for bright nights. So, Good chance it'll be up and running for bright nights. Not a great chance it'll be up and running for the ghost train. And then keep in mind, by then it'll have been shut down for well over a year. Yeah, that is. Uh, I'm just still flabbergasted at the money it rep it raised, profit it made, and now all of a sudden we just maybe might be ready for Christmas yeah. of this year, uh, and it'll be costing us three hundred thousand plus. So yeah. Oh, um, and and wait until you hear that we we also got details on um, just what shape it was in. I mean, we, we always knew it was bad. Yeah. But we have new details tonight on on the deficiencies. Um, the brakes were, there were brake issues with every single engine and car on the train. Oh, there wow. was ex- excessive oil leaking on the brake lining. That's an obvious fire hazard. Um, the green locomotive's brakes were not releasing after being applied. I guess it's better that they were not releasing as opposed to not engaging. But anyway, the red engine had overheating and radiator issues. Um, some of the carriages had no uh, articulation in the wheels. So 
an obvious derailment risk. And these deficiencies were there. Um, the, the train failed inspection in September, but it continued to run with these deficiencies up until days before that inspection. So people were putting their children, their grandchildren on the train when it had this long list of problems with it, Jazz. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It really is. Unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm just uh, loss of words for me there, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing your report tonight on the News Hour uh, and great work. Thank you so much. Thanks for staying on this, Jazz.